You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome again to Disney One by One. This week we're on episode 55. This is the 55th movie on the list. It is Zootopia. And we are closing in on episode 58, the final one on the list. Remember, you can find the show everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. If you could please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we'd love to see that. And, of course, Disney Plus is out now, so if you are a subscriber, feel free to go back into our back catalog, listen to some old episodes, and uh, follow along now that you can find every movie just a click away. Joining me this week, as always, is my brother David Rolfing. David, welcome back to Disney One by One. Hey, Mike. 55. We're almost there. Almost there. (laughs) What are we going to do with ourselves when we're finished with this list? And joining us, a returning guest. You heard him way back on episode five. He was on our Bambi episode, and I haven't been able to get him back. He's just he's just a popular guy. Jeremy Corey, welcome back to Disney One by One. Awesome to be here, Mike and David. And I'm especially fired up about Zootopia, which I uh, consider one of the greatest, uh, if not the greatest, Disney animation resurgence movie uh, on par with Frozen, I believe. Uh, and we'll get into that, but... Uh, Super excited about this one, and certainly a lot has changed since uh, Bambi. I think they've got the uh, fur algorithm down. Yeah, I think you might have put Zootopia as your number one when you listed your top five for us yeah. back in the day. Yeah, and I'm going to convince all these listeners that uh, that it should be. It's a fantastic film. So your Bambi episode re- released January 23rd of 2019, so almost a year ago. What have you been <laughs> up to in the, la- in the last year? What's happened in the world of Jeremy? Uh, well, you know, continue on there at uh, Cool Fire Studios. Won a couple Emmys and Ed Versus. I'm sure you've seen some of those. Yeah, those are uh, really fun. It's been a blast. Yes, uh, Safety Squad animated series. So it's been fun to uh, blend my uh, love of animation with uh, my love of uh, corporate videos. How about uh, how about Disney Plus? Have you have you dived in? Oh, are you, day are you, one. Are you committed to? <laughs> oh yes, day one. Perfect target demographic: the family, ten year old, eight year old at home. And uh, let me say the Mandalorian really, I just no expectations going in. But I mean, it is just ruling our world here. I love it. Of course, this is the Star Wars series. I wanted as a seven year old kid. Let's just follow some bounty hunters around as they get up to bountying <laughs> and hunting. And uh, it's just such a fantastic show. And who would have thought John Favreau, when you watched uh, Swingers, would be the uh, savior of the Star Wars universe it's fantastic and disney plus we've already dived in yes fox and the hound which i think is the first movie i remember ever going to see my grandma took it to i mean i did 81 that thing came out i was looking at that uh so kind of fits into the southern uh disney animated movies for sure uh bordering on offensive but not quite getting there uh, but uh <laughs> then uh, went into gummy bears showed my daughter that Gummy bears flying here and there and everywhere. High Adventures of Beyond Compare, uh, which I remember just eating like a bunch of gummy bears on Saturday mornings. And then, of course, we had to hit uh, DuckTales. Woo-woo. So we've been hitting the whips, and I look forward to diving into some of the darker, weirder uh, Disney flicks like Black Hole and and some of the other uh, stuff that's on there. So I think it's it's been great. I I sort of knew it was going to be big, but I just didn't know how immense when you unlock that vault that would be and i'm regretting not buying uh some disney stock to short real quick Hmm. yeah david david what was the first thing you clicked play on on disney plus 
The Mandalorian. That was the first thing. <laughs> we also just watched Home Alone 1 and 2 and well, and Zootopia. I watched it on there. So Yeah, I dove deep over Christmas time. I remember, we've talked about this on this show, I remember an old VHS tape of a bunch of old Disney Christmas themed short animated films and yeah. one of them was, was Santa's Workshop, Santa and the Elves Making Toys. And that's on there, the six-minute short from 1932. That is old. That is is pre-Snow White. They did edit a couple things out that I recall. (laughs) (laughs) A few uh, few racial slurs that made it past in 1932 that don't fly today. So there were definitely a couple things missing. Yeah, which is uh, a good, you know, segue into Zootopia, which uh, upon, you know, second viewing, I asked myself, is this the most woke Disney animated film ever? It might be. It might be. And with that, we'll move on to Zootopia. And now, our feature presentation. In the world of Zootopia, humans never happened. Which makes Zootopia a modern, civilized world that is entirely animal. That is an animal. Animals in Zootopia are anthropomorphic. That is just a big fancy word that means they walk around on two feet. They do not go to work nude. And they use technology. So now you know. Zootopia. Like nothing you've seen before. Zootopia is the 55th Disney animated feature film, as we said at the top of this episode. It's directed by Byron Howard and Rich Moore, co-directed by Jared Bush. It details the unlikely partnership between a rabid police officer and a red fox con artist as they uncover a criminal conspiracy involving the disappearance of predators. The idea for Zootopia spawned from the eventual director, Byron Howard. He pitched six story ideas to John Lasseter. Uh, Three of them involved animals. He wanted to do a movie like Robin Hood. He grew up on on Robin Hood with the anthropomorphic animals. And it had been a while since Disney had had made a movie with animals wearing clothing. So they wanted to revitalize that. And John Lasseter was pretty game for that as well. Not only that, they wanted to make a movie with a modern world designed for animals by animals, so sort of a different take on on just sticking the animals into human settings. They wanted to make their own animal world. Like Chicken Little. Like Chicken Little, <laughs> I guess. Well, that one doesn't count. <laughs> yes, this is on another level. And when you think about it, obviously Robin Hood is a fox, and Nick Wilde is a fox as well. And as we'll get into a moment, he was the he was the protagonist for a long time in the development of this movie. At one point, it was a James Bond-like 1960s spy film. There isn't too much information about that, but that was, at one point, the the plot of the movie. They then got rid of the 60s theme and decided to turn into police procedural. They wanted to make a movie about predator versus prey, sort of a fable, and they went back and forth on plot a little bit. So, as I mentioned, it was originally through Nick's eyes. Nick Wilde, the fox, he was the original main character of the movie. In the original world they developed, the predators all had to wear what they called tame collars. These collars, like sort of like a shock collar for a dog, where if they lashed out as predators, they would get shocked and it sort of kept them tame. This idea went on for a while and they developed quite a bit of it. And you can see storyboards and even some early animation if you search for behind the scenes footage. But notes kept coming in that the collars were pretty depressing. <laughs> as, the, <laughs> as the world was being looked at through Nick's kind of cynical eyes, the movie was just sort of cynical and, and kind of miserable and just sort of really negative out of the gate with these with these shock collars on, all, on half the characters. And so they ultimately decided to eliminate the collars and put the movie in, this perspective, in the perspective of Judy, the rabbit, 
which really, it was a huge change and a huge challenge for them to really completely rewrite this movie. But the pieces started to fall in line. It made Zootopia, the, the city of Zootopia, more of a positive place, seeing it through the excited eyes of the bunny rabbit and um, really s- fell into place from there. All sorts of scenes were added because of this change and they were some of the best scenes in the movie. The DMV, the Naturalist Club, and, and Mr. Big were all added after they decided to make Judy the protagonist of the movie. So it's a ton of work, but ultimately it's about what makes the best story, right, Jeremy? Yeah, and that's an interesting theme you see a lot. These cynical animators, like on uh, Toy Story, start off in maybe a darker place and then uh, get reeled in. <laughs> Some of the themes start to boil to the top that become a little more entertaining and digestible. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, I look at this and I say, uh, we are Zootopia as a, as a, I mean, the world, but particularly it's very much as, you know, the New York vibe, right? You go to New York and it's just all of these people from it truly is you know the best of us blending together working and everyone has a hustle right there's you know there's underlying themes but everyone has a hustle and they they are trying to make it and i just i i I love that theme and the tensions underneath and the uh things unsaid and just you know she'll still carry the fox repellent and i mean you know the scene judy hobbs uh correcting uh, the officer that, uh, you know, it's okay for another bunny to call another bunny cute. It's just such <laughs> great social subtext underneath. And it deals with it in a way that isn't too heavy handed. It deals with yeah. it in a very, you know, modern progressive way. And I just, I just feel like it's, it's, a, it's, it's progressive, but yet somehow it doesn't feel so, uh, you know, hitting you over the head with it. I love how, you know, Judy hops as a character, you know, she's not, a Disney princess. She's a career girl, you know, she's uh, trying to on the up and up and, and has a goal and, and, and goes for it. Is not this uh, feigning princess in a tower somewhere uh, that needs a man. Uh, so there's just, there's so much in this movie going around the mammal inclusion unit, the world that this movie creates and, and the balance that has to be uh, struck every day in Zootopia. It's just, it's, it's what we're going through as a culture and as a society. I, it really struck me down to the um, Shakira as the um, gazelle. <laughs> uh, we're big, yes, Shakira fans here. Uh, my wife's Colombian, so we were listening to Shakira when she had dark hair and uh, before she went all gringa. And uh, so we just, you know, we just loved it. It took me by surprise, too. I had no idea what this was about. I just think it, uh, you know, starting with, I mean, I would say starting with Wreck-It Ralph, going on to Frozen, Big Hero 6, Mohana, Ralph Breaks the Internet and Frozen 2. I mean, this is, they're on a tear. You guys think? I mean, uh, it's sort of the resurgence of, of Disney animation. Yeah, I'm not that big of a Frozen fan, but the rest of those you listed I like a lot. Well, the box office would disagree with you, Mike. Uh, <laughs> and I would point out that Zootopia uh, is in the Billion Dollar Club worldwide, along with Frozen. So, in just reading yeah. some of the distribution notes about it, I mean, this was a big movie that people don't really you know i don't i don't know it's it's not as there's just, i don't think there's toys still in the toy aisle taking up a couple feet at walmart but this is a this is a billion dollar movie only joined by frozen from what i can see yeah so you'll admit that zootopia is one of the greatest disney animated movies of all we'll, time is we'll, we'll, we'll get to? there okay. you're jumping you're jumping the shark Fair it is enough. interesting that you don't see <laughs> zootopia that merchandise compared to the others in this era yeah it's like Wreck-It Ralph, obviously, there's tons of toys for that. I mean, it was based on video game characters, 
Frozen, obviously, and Frozen 2. Like, I was just at Target the other day. There was Frozen stuff on, like, half the shelves in the store. Yeah. Big Hero 6, I can't really remember, but I'm sure there's, like, video games and stuff based on that, too. Oh, yeah. We had the toy. It had a lot of armor. Bandai, I believe, was the uh, master toy license. Yeah, but Bandai's the toy company. Oh, they right. were uh, help create Voltron, uh, where I used to work. So that's that's the reason I know about Bandai. If you're going to make some giant robots, you go to Bandai. Yeah, and if you want to hear all about Jeremy's work on Voltron, go back to episode, what did I say, <laughs> five? Yeah. <laughs> so rewinding a little bit, the animators and, and directors did a bunch of research. They went to Animal Kingdom, convenient that Disney has their own animal park. Uh, and they went to the San Diego Zoo. And they went to Kenya, which one of those is not like the other. They spent eight months studying various animals' walk cycles and fur to make sure they animate this as accurately as they can. They went to museums to look at fur under microscopes, all sorts of stuff. Zootopia, the city was inspired by New York City, as Jeremy mentioned, but also San Francisco, Las Vegas, Paris, Shanghai, Hong Kong, and Brasilia, Brazil. They consulted experts in the Americans with Disabilities Act and HVAC systems experts, among others, to to figure out the best way to go about accommodating all these different types of animals of all shapes and sizes and abilities. The cast of this movie, Jennifer Goodwin plays Judy Hopps. Jason Bateman is Nick Wilde. Either of you seen Game Night? It's the most recent Jason Bateman movie. Another sleeper. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, we didn't like it at all. Really? I love Game Night. By seeing the poster, you wouldn't know. But uh, yeah, it actually right. unfolds as a, as a fun kind of comedy action, which is always yeah, difficult Yeah, I thought it balance. had some great action and was really clever. David, no? No, we didn't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> we usually, we love like those obscure thrillers. I think one that reminds me of that is called The Gift. It's like a like a couple's party turns into like this thriller action type movie. That one was really good. We expected this one to be similar. And that's exactly the plot of kind of dark comedy. Maybe it was too close for David. Maybe he had experienced a game night similar. Wait, is the gift the same Wait, I'm so confused. Now. No, I think the gift it also has Jason more dark. It also thriller. has Jason Bateman. Yeah. Ga- yeah. Ga- <laughs> it's a sequel. <laughs> uh, game night is definitely more comedy. Oh, I've seen the gift. Okay. Cause that has Joel has Joel Edgerton. Mm hmm. Who plays young Uncle Owen in Star Wars, yes. Fun fact. Aunt Beru. We also have Idris Elba plays Chief Bogo. Jenny Slate from SNL is Bellwether. Nate Torrance, Clawhauser. Bonnie Hunt is Bonnie Hops. Don Lake is Stu Hops. Tommy Chong is in this as the dreadlocked uh, yak. J.K. Simmons plays the mayor. Octavia Spencer is Mrs. Otterton. Alan Tudyk, who is uh, basically the new Jim Cummings. He does a voice of in every single one of these movies is Duke Weaselton. And then Shakira, Shakira, as we mentioned, is <laughs> Gazelle, the pop star. Shakira also did her own voice in the Spanish language versions of this movie. So Only fitting. Just uh, No surprise uh, there. Right when uh, uh, Phil Collins did all the uh, Spanish singing in the Tarzan. Yeah. <laughs> There's great videos of him singing it in like 10 different languages. It's hilarious. (laughs) Phil Collins takes no fools. Disney's most recent work on animating fur before Zootopia was for Bolt in the 2008 film Bolt. But the software they'd used at the time was not ready for creating realistic fur of animals at Zootopia. So they developed new software called iGroom, which gave character designers precise control over the brushing, shaping, and shading of fur. Exciting stuff. The Burbank studio was being renovated at the time, so the movie was produced in a warehouse in North Hollywood, along with Moana. Moana came out just after Zootopia. The music for this movie, the film's score, is composed by Michael Giacchino. 
This was his first Walt Disney Animation Studios film, but he had done some Pixar movies as well as some Disney shorts. But this is his first first one on our list that Giacchino did the score for. course Shakira wrote the song or she sings the song Try Everything which was written by Sia and Stargate this movie premiered at the Brussels Animation Film Festival in Belgium in February of 2016 and went on to general theatrical release in 2D 3D Real D 3D Disney Digital 3D and IMAX 3D on March 4th in the United States as Jeremy mentioned, this movie went on to make over a billion dollars, and it settled in at $1.024 billion on its $150 million budget. Should have bought stock for Disney before that. Hmm. This placed it in the top 50 movies of all time, as far as box office goes. There were a number of different titles for this movie, for various reasons. In the UK and other European, Middle Eastern, and North African countries, the film was called Zootropolis. This was, for many, uh, among many reasons, this was due to Disney being unable to trademark the name Zootopia in some of these territories. There was a Danish zoo called Zootopia, <laughs> among other things. In Germany, the movie was called Zoomania due to there being a children's book by, Ger by a German author called Zoo Zootopolis, very close, released in 2010. And in China, if you translate the Chinese title, it, it translates to Crazy Animal City. Which, in hindsight, should have been the name of the North American release as well. Crazy Animal City. Just <laughs> say it all. <laughs> uh, award season, when that came around, I mean, this movie won so many awards that it has its own separate awards page on Wikipedia, but it did win the big one. It won the Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. It beat out Kubo and the Two Strings, hmm. My Life as a Zucchini, The Red Turtle, and Moana. Wow. So that's that. And then the last thing I have is you guys were kind of talking about the cultural relevancy earlier, but they are building Zootopia Land at Disney at Shanghai Disneyland. They just broke ground. Crazy Animal City, the ride. Yeah, there is some concept art of some exteriors. I don't know what the ride or attractions will be. Shanghai Disneyland does have the greatest version of Pirates of the Caribbean and some other really cool things. So hopefully this will. Why is that? Are they a little looser on the cannonballs? It's it's based on the modern movies, and it's like super high tech. That makes sense. I mean, the original version of Disneyland is fantastic, but the, if you look at the videos of the one in Shanghai, it is incredible. Every 200th cannonball actually hits one of the boats. Right. Kids are drinking rum. We're all... Just, <laughs> it's a good pirate time. All right, David, any other fun facts about Zootopia? Uh, a couple in the Howler Lab scene, the Rams who deliver the coffee are named Walter and Jesse after Breaking Bad characters. <laughs> yeah, I as that. I was seeing them dripping the, I guess, the flower juice, it reminded me of Breaking Bad, which we just finished a few weeks ago. I, embarrassingly, my wife and I like yelled out in the theater as we uh, had just finished watching Breaking Bad, I think, ourselves. So yeah. uh, that, was, that, that, that landed. I wrote down Breaking Bad on my phone, and right after I wrote that, I heard them say, Walter, Jesse. I was like, yes, yeah. <laughs> this is perfect. Another one, the trailer premiered on Disney's YouTube channel first, which I don't know if that was the first or not, but probably one of the first to do that. Okay, Jeremy, you've talked a little bit already about your opinions on this movie, but 
How many times have you seen Zootopia? Or, or what, what was your initial reaction upon seeing it for the very first time? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was that this was the greatest Disney animated film they've ever made. <laughs> I mean, both from a technical point of view of just, you know, the animation, the fur, but the writing and the performances were just so... And just the, the, the social commentary may make up for all the <laughs> the uh, past indiscretions. <laughs> no, it, it just really, I don't know, it just, it just really hits home for, you know, things I, I think about uh, and challenges and take some head on and just sort of does it in this perfectly kind of balanced, uh, hilarious way. I've only seen it twice. I saw it once in the theater and then and then again for this. And that DMV scene may be one of the funniest <laughs> scenes, period, in, in, in movie history. I mean, that is so funny. It's still funny. And they could have screwed that up. It could have been a one, you know, it just it, in, in lesser hands that it, it's the timing. I mean, just, just, just everything is so fantastic. We are in a really big hurry. I am on it break you mentioned the naturalist scene i mean still just great and just so perfect for just any animation lover and you know anyone who loves talking animals and the mr big scene just and and how it calls back and 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 hops had saved his daughter and then there's just little things like the pirated dvd scene where it had like <laughs> frozen two references and it hadn't even come out yet it just, it yeah, was, well, it also it also has a copy of I forget what they call it in this movie, but of Gigantic, which yeah, was a movie in de- which was a movie in development that got squashed. They call it Jurassic. Uh, yeah, I wondered about yeah. that. I saw that. I yeah. paused it last night. And I was like, that must be something either in development and never made it interesting. So, wow. so they had Moana. Hang on, I'm trying to find it. They had Moana on the table, yeah, at least the did. animal version of it, yeah. and they had Frozen Two, but then they had Jurassic, which was gigantic, like I said, and that was a movie about Jack and the Beanstalk. That was being fully developed. They even had the people from Frozen write songs for it. They were planning a Spain pavilion in Epcot because it was going to be based in Spain. And then I forget what happened, but something happened that just they put the kibosh on it. And it's it's in development. It's in development purgatory right now. Those magic things got squashed. Uh, Well, I would ask you, tell me why it is indeed not the greatest Disney animated (laughs) film they've ever done. Come at me, bro. I think... In large part, at least in my personal opinion, is because I think a big part of loving a Disney movie is is nostalgia and a history behind it. And this does not that I don't have that for this movie. Well, you will in another 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perhaps. But I think as far as like ranking my favorites, like it's really hard for a brand new movie to 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 tap into that, no matter how good it is. I think it is very good. But I, th- I like Moana better, personally. It's because you like musicals. That's probably has a lot to do with it, yeah. Hmm. I know you after 55 of these, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you sensed a theme. David, uh, why is this not the greatest Disney animated movie they've done? Uh, first of all, I haven't said it's not. <laughs> Second, <laughs> if I would defend that statement I haven't said. Um, I mean, I love it. It's, It's got a little of everything it has like the world building and an amazing fun world to dive into like i think one of the reasons why i like wreck it ralph so much is just because that's a fun world that they just made up inside of arcade games inside of video games and it's just fun to stay in there for a little while 
it's similar with this movie. Like they did, they created such a unique place that's completely unrealistic despite the animals in it, but like all the different environments and even the, the little mouse town that they run through. There's just so many creative ways that they like created this world for all the different animals and the different types of animals and ecosystems and everything. So that's probably one of my top things about it that I enjoyed. Um, but I mean, I saw this once, not in theaters. I think Danny and I watched it like on Redbox or something at home. So I didn't see it in the, in the best cinematic way, but I mean, I remember really enjoying it. I don't remember thinking it was like one of my favorites, but after re- rewatching it this time, like it's definitely up there. It's, it's really solid and I liked it a lot this time. So we'll get to the rating at the end and maybe it will have bumped up, but <laughs> yeah, it's high I on my list for sure. I definitely saw this once before. I think it was also at home. I remember seeing Moana in the theater and for some reason I did not see this one in the theater. I agree with you, David, and I'm sure Jeremy, you agree as well. If this is your favorite of all time, that the world building in this movie is fantastic. When she rides into the city on the train and you're going through all the different environments, you see the divides between the desert and the, and the, and the tundra and and the technology used to keep those things separate. When the train pulls into the station and there's like five different doors for all the different size animals and there's just so many fun little sight gags. You could watch this thing 20 times and probably notice something new every time. That is certainly one of this movie's strong points is the world building. Um, they they throw it at you and and it works so well. This is not the greatest comparison, but I, I had I had it reminded me of uh, Hunger Games where Katniss is riding from whatever District 12 towards the towards the capital city and you see all the different environments and then she enters the big city and is, is and, and is amazed. I don't know which one of these came first. I think Hunger Games. This is a better version of that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean the cultural relevancy points are 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 very important and very very well done. There's so many. Like There's so they're, many. <laughs> they're, they're not ham-fisted either. Like she, even the little dorm room apartment that she used to live in with the annoying neighbors like that's there's so many little things like that that are just relevant to people i mean the obvious one is waiting at the dmv and that one didn't land as well for me just because that was like half of the trailer or maybe the whole trailer it was a lot of the trailer just seeing that (laughs) yeah it's good but i've seen that many times and so it's kind of i wonder if if that worked if that scene worked for international audiences i'm curious how those systems work in other countries probably more efficiently than ours <laughs> from everything i've been told uh ours is a dream compared really? to at least what you know my wife describes of columbia and just any sort of government institution thing they would they would be wishing for the sloths at some point <laughs> as uh it that they, they do say that's one thing you come uh to the united states like <laughs> this stuff at least kind of works i know it's hard for us to believe but uh, yeah. believe it or not, it's a, a functioning and fast uh, experience. Plus, you just got to get there early, people. I will say the DMV by my house, you can go online and check in ahead of time and you see? Like, make an appointment. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? We are, I'm telling you, we're in wonderful times. Disney Plus, yeah, magical are. time. Buy movie are... tickets with reserved seats oh. for premiere nights. Yes. So yes. Good. We go, yeah, you know what? We will go out to dinner before Star Wars uh, because yeah. uh, we, we, we know we got our seats. Yeah, right. I can walk in 10, 15 minutes after showtime and I'm yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I remember sixth grade, Return of the King came out 
my mom took me out of school early because Mike and our cousin Carrie had gone to the West Olive movie theater to wait in line for the premiere <laughs> or like one of the earliest showings yeah. of Return of the King. I remember waiting in line for, Fan for Phantom Menace. I remember showing up three hours early for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> You're, that's on you. That's <laughs> on you. I remember waiting in line for the Hob for the Hobbit on opening night, for <laughs> Skyfall on opening night. That was probably right before reserve seats really were prevalent. Right. That's the term blockbuster. We were spoiled. I was going to say the um, theme of kind of, uh, you know, woke characters for a lack of a better term kind of carries over as far as, you know, from what you see in Frozen. Uh, I think Big Hero 6 has some of that. And then I remember in particular, Ralph Breaks the Internet. They kind of, that's become kind of a trope. But they'll go to like characters who, you know, in Ralph 2, who come out of the Grand Theft Auto game, but they're actually really sensitive <laughs> to each other's feelings, uh, even though yeah. they look like marauders out of Mad Max. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it is interesting. I wonder if that's a... They do the same in Tangled. Right. It's interesting that that's kind of carried over of just... Playing off expectations and then, you yeah. know, uh, uh, going underneath the surface. But, uh, yeah, I think that stuff was handled really well and it's thought-provoking and kind of, you know, as you said, David, it's, it's not ham-fisted with it. And it's just a classic story of, uh, you know, Country Rabbit coming to the city, trying to make it big and everybody doubting her and, and her, you know, the way she does use her abilities and, and just everything. And even the twists. I, w I guess maybe... You know, the act three, kind of once the uh, mystery is solved a bit, it feels like a climax and then kind of like a back down as she, you know, figures out that the case and the night howlers. Uh, well, you're talking about common Disney tropes, and we've talked about this the last couple episodes. And they do the same thing in this one where there's a little twist. You don't know who the bad guy is until the very yes. end. They did the same in Frozen. There's a similar thing in Wreck-It Ralph. They did it in a bunch of Pixar movies like most of them have that yes. have that sort of twist at the end and they did it again here where the little sheep assistant yes. mayor was the ultimate the ringleader so i didn't really like that because we've been talking about how they fair. do that all the okay. time fair yeah, and so so that was a little that was a little uh, annoying i will say yeah fair. that was i definitely saw that coming considering we've been talking about that the past few weeks the the underlying mystery though of the ravenous animals and the the howlers and everything I thought was strong enough that it made the story still compelling, even with that obvious yeah. villain reveal. It wasn't like such a big deal that it completely changed the plot, but yeah. they still they still did the same thing. I just love it, right? We're fighting our primal instincts, which, you know, who doesn't do that every day? Uh, waking up, you know, you're in a constant battle against, uh, we've, uh, think we've tamed these instincts, you know, you're not throwing a rock at a coworker, uh, at least every day. Uh, I mean, you know, it just, what a great theme as far as just, we've evolved past it kind of all outlined in the opening, uh, school play and just, um, yeah. which th those are always, that's almost a trope in itself. The school play that is, uh, overly, um, explains the the back the background of the movie yes. yeah and even just you know <laughs> always ends in some blood scene or some sort of like slaughtering of something <laughs> the kids doing very uh mature themes but yet doing it in this like super cute way yeah and death 
Yeah. One thing I really liked was how they sort of turned the whole Disney mindset on its head, especially with the parents. They, you know, they're, they're, they had them say these just ridiculous lines of like, yeah, that's the beauty of complacency. If you don't try anything new, you'll never, you'll never fail. And right. it's, it's great to have dreams as long as you don't believe in them too much. It's like yeah. the opposite of what these movies typically preach, but that's what put the kick in her step to move to the city. So at least they turn something on its head as far as Disney tropes go. And just again, some of the funniest writing and performances. Is is this one of the funniest? It has so many sight gags and references. I, I think of like the lemmings when they exit the bank and they all, he specifically puts his popsicle stand outside the lemming office because he knows yeah. if one of them, if one of them goes, the rest of them will follow. There were so many other random sight gags like that. Yeah. But you know, that, it, that sketch type humor and writing, I mean, I guess maybe Wreck-It Ralph, I'd have to rewatch Wreck-It Ralph and, and Ralph breaks the internet, but yeah. I may have changed my classification as funniest Disney animated hmm. film ever. My favorite scene was the Godfather scene where the polar bears take him in. And then <laughs> I I didn't remember it, him being a mouse, Mr. Big. And he was a mouse. And that was, that was pretty clever. Yeah, that was a really funny idea. You come here unannounced on the day my daughter is to be married. Well, actually, we were brought here against our will. So... <laughs> yeah. And just the lines back and forth. They're going to ice him and... It's just, there's just so much good stuff in this uh, film. But did they make a bad Game Boy game of it? That's always the bellwether. Probably. There was a card game called Zootopia Suspect Search, as well as a game for mobile phones called Zootopia Crime Files. Well, there you go. There was a Zootopia graphic graphic novel. Yeah. If uh, Speaking of nostalgia, if this was in the... You know, 90s, we would have had just a really bad Super Nintendo game or something uh, to Zootopia. And a Disney Channel show based on it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. And animated. And uh, hey, maybe that's, you know, that's not a bad thing. And now with Disney Plus, I think you'll see them uh, mining the IP. Oh, and, they're going to uh, have to. I think any, anything's possible. I think a lot of this stuff, you'll uh, they'll dig up a, an Atlantis series. Or they already did that, right? They already did the Atlantis series. I think so. Have you seen that movie? Atlantis TV show? Have you seen that movie recently, Jeremy? Not recently. Not since what? That was like 2000, wasn't it? I really, I really liked that one. I was very pleasantly surprised by Atlantis. Okay. Holds up. Holds up. Yeah. So, Jeremy, it is the duty of our guests to come up with a rating system specific to the movie (laughs) we are talking about. So, we need a Zootopia related rating system so we can wrap up this show. I guess it would be zero out of five carrots. Carrot. Okay. All mm. right. So, Jeremy, out of five carrots, what would you give Zootopia? I, I give it five carrots. I mean, maybe 4.9, just because to your point of the uh, villain reveal <laughs> being overused slightly. Uh, so, I'll, st- I'll do a 4.9 carrot. Just a, just a carrot shred short of five. All right. David, out of five carrots... What do you got? Man, um... Do the right thing, I wasn't David. expecting to like it as much as I did. I would probably have to give it... I gotta calculate the percentage. <laughs> <laughs> out of five, I should know it. Though. Yeah, that's Carrot pretty calculator. easy to do out of five. All right, uh, 4.5 <laughs> out of five. There you go. Final 90%. thoughts? 90%. Strong. Final thoughts, Dave? I'll take it. Which is very high for my reviews. Um, just everything we named about it, the cultural relevance and the humor... And the setting and the voice acting, just all the themes, the plot, 
Like the villain wasn't the best. I don't think that could have been a little bit stronger, that obvious turn at the end, but the overall plot was super interesting and the mystery is fun to walk through with them. So yeah, just really solid overall, no huge gripes with it really, which I usually have one or two with these Disney movies and this one stood out for sure. So really liked it. Mike, what would you rate it? Yeah, this is a four out of five for me, which is very good. I did really enjoy it. I forgot one one thing that really made me laugh at the beginning when they say, yeah, you and your 285 siblings. Because the bunnies have so many kids. Cracked me up. A lot of things that kids wouldn't get, which is great for a movie like this when, when you know parents have to sit through it as well. And not a lot of like really dumb kid humor. True. Really. Yeah, that's right. Maybe there's some like physical humor that kids would think is funny, like getting punched and stuff. Yeah. But besides that, it really seems more adult themed yeah despite it being an animal movie i don't think there was a single poop joke oh yeah or anyone getting ferociously racked in the nuts that i can remember <laughs> that's a, leave that to dreamworks i, I was Disney's, about to say we're Disney's above that yes yeah come <laughs> but yeah this this movie this movie has great messages as we've talked about i mean it's it's a lesson in that even the most good-natured people are susceptible to stereotypes as we see with hops and her and her fox spray you know but in the end all of us want to be happy respected and safe it's sort of a lesson of this movie and i i think it does that well it does it in a in a they sort of hide it you don't expect it but i think it it comes off very well i think anyone who watches this can learn a lot from this as i said i think the bad guy twist is kind of dumb but that's a small part of this movie it's really fun again a lot of my opinion comes from i just haven't seen this a lot and there's so many more of these movies that mean so much more to me and also it's not a musical as david said so it does kind of dock it in like this list of 58 just because i love the musicals but as we talked about this this movie is really good and the box office and the reviews speak for themselves yes. i recommend it check it out watch it a couple times and see what see what else you can find i kind of want to flip through like the mouse city scene in slow motion and just kind of see when there's so much going on so like just take it hundreds in. and thousands of little characters and, and animals they created for this so well my question uh to, to you guys, this is number 55. What, what are you going to do past 58, Frozen 2? Are you going to get into the uh, related productions, as Wikipedia would call it? Uh, the Pete's Dragons, the Who Frames Roger Rabbits? Uh, we, haven't, we haven't discussed the future. Okay. There may, there may be a, a hiatus of some sort. David, David has a, another podcast of his own that's taking up some of his time. So I don't know. Do. We'll see if, if you listeners want this to continue or you have any ideas, you know how to contact us. You'll hear it at the end of this and uh, let us know what you think. Of course they do. And I'll be happy to come back for another uh, long eared crime caper in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That is a that movie is just fascinating. The history of it, <laughs> like the intricacies of all of the contractual obligations between the, yes. the multiple studios. It's, it is the history of who frame Roger rabbit could be an entire podcast, like it's a series. <laughs> so fantastic. And the only thing I thought ready player one would be the only thing close to that, but uh, didn't hmm. quite reach that level of IP party. It did not. And that was so disappointing. I could talk it about was. that for a while too. Yes. I mean, we're here so I, we can talk about it. But I, I mean, the thing they did with The Shining was really cool. Uh, but they needed like, they needed like 10 more of those. I agree. I like thought why this is the end of that movie ends with them like running around. I wanted to call him Krennic. That's his character in Rogue One. Uh, ben Mendelsohn's like office. 
Why were they not running around the halls of the Death Star? You know, like there was yeah. no there was no reason why they couldn't have just poured on the references. Well, it's legal. And having been I close know. to, uh, you know, Voltron evidently was a part of that. And, uh, you know, still friends with with Bob Coppler, the Coppler family. And yeah. uh, I think I think even they were kind of surprised. And it, it sounded like just an army of lawyers were out just trying to secure these IP yeah. rights and. Um, you know, just evidently not they offering did a very good too job much. At it. Yeah, right. Well, and just, I, it was just a schmoz, but in the end it was just, was that a battle toad? Is that a halo? What's going on? And just having, uh, you know, listen, listen to the book. Uh, yeah. great, great reading by Will, uh, Will Wheaton. Will, Will Wheaton. Yes. Will Wheaton. The book is five yeah. times better than the movie. Yeah. Which you're always going to get, but I just like Mike kind of expected, like if anyone can pull off an IP uh, buffet. Yeah. I mean, surely uh, Mr. Spielberg, Spielberg can, but uh, whatever. We don't know the behind the stories. There's always something. And I was disappointed that Voltron, you know, they kind of put the Iron Giant in that slot. Voltron yeah. has a much more prominent role in the uh, book. Well, we'll get Wreck-It Ralph 2 in two weeks. And I think that, I mean, certainly it's mainly Disney stuff, but that, I thought they did a way better job at that kind yes. of thing. Great point. I remember walking out of that. I'm like, man, that's what Ready Player One should have been like. It would have been a so much true. better movie. So true. So, so true. What comes after Frozen 2? Raya and the Last Dragon. Raya and the Last Dragon next year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering what the next yeah. one in production is. So that's that. And with that, we'll end this show. Jeremy Corey, thank you so much for joining us again on Disney One by One. It was awesome, gang. See you later, carrots. And David, it's been a pleasure as always. Life's a little bit messy. We all make mistakes. No matter what type of animal you are, change starts with you. Oh, what a great lesson. Did you just make that up? No, Judy Hopps made that up. <laughs> I got it. And remember, you can find this show everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. Let us know what you want us to do next. And, of course, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading those. And, of course, as always, you can find every movie on this list I think everyone, maybe a few men are missing, on Disney+. Plus. So feel free to go back into our back catalog, follow along, watch the movies, and listen to our old episodes. So with that, we'll be back next week with Moana. Make way, make way. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. <laughs>